From your local Houston BMW Center Studios, welcome to the Public Affairs Podcast, addressing local issues that affect our nation and shape our world. I'm your host, KG Smooth. Uncle Funky Larry Jones will be joining us uh, shortly, but I am uh, it's an honor and a privilege uh, to have on the line. He is the Director of Corporate Social Responsibility for Sally May. I know all y'all familiar with Sally May, especially if you don't been to college. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Antoine Oakley on the Public Affairs Podcast. And also Dr. Henry L. Williams is the CEO and president of Thurgood Marshall College Fund, of the Thurgood Marshall College Fund. Uh, good morning, gentlemen. Welcome to the program. Great good morning. To be here and thank you for having us. Yes. Indeed. Um, this here is a... Um, Unique collaboration from uh, what I understand. And you guys are uh, looking to kind of erase the stigma of these uh, disparities um, of in low-income communities or, uh, you know, in black and brown communities, how they have the lowest in when it comes to um, going to high school right to college. And so you all have uh, collaborated with this scholarship Um Tell us, how how did this come about? How did Sally May and Thurgood Marshall College Fund uh, link up um, for the Bridging the Dream Scholarship? Well, I'll let Antoine, you why don't you kick yeah. it off, Antoine? Oh, absolutely. So um, earlier in 2020, uh, just before the pandemic hit, um, the Sally May leadership came to uh, my team and asked that we, you know, sort of, look for and develop a program that would uh, benefit uh, students of color uh, and others from underserved communities. Uh, And so uh, one of the first things we did was uh, we wanted to kind of go on a listening tour and to kind of better understand as it relates to higher education, what are some of the challenges that students of color um, and other marginalized uh, communities face um, and we thought, what better organization to reach out to than uh, Thurgood Marshall uh, College Fund? And it's interesting that uh, Dr. Williams was formerly the president of Delaware State University, where Sally May is headquartered. Uh, and I had met him a few times. And uh, so we thought that we would reach out to them to kind of really just get a sense and be able to connect with leaders in the higher ed space to find out you know, the challenges as they see it um, uh, that affect their students. And so uh, Thurgood Marshall College Fund was gracious enough to put us in contact with um, uh, presidents, chancellors, uh, and other leaders in uh, the higher ed space uh, and invite us to a couple of of, um, events where we could really talk to them and present our idea for um, how we would kind of support students uh, as they uh, persist and, and succeed through higher ed. Um, and so that's how we that's how we got here. We are just delighted to be a part of this because, as you know, and some of your audience, your listeners know this, uh, the pandemic has been very, very hard uh, on our community. And I'm specifically talking about the African-American community. And the Thurgood Marshall College Fund, we represent the 47th public historically black colleges and universities in this country. Uh, And our sole purpose in focusing on the public aspect is because 
80% of the students who attend historically black colleges are, they attend public institutions and 75% of those students who attend uh, come from uh, families where their family income is less than $40,000 a year. And you can do the math trying to go to college and taking care of a family off 40,000 is pretty much impossible these days. So when Sally May and, and Antoine and the team, and we started talking about the biggest challenges facing our community, uh, and we were very clear, scholarships. And so mm -hmm. this partnership was birthed from that concept. Indeed. How are we looking in terms of um, college enrollment when it comes to uh, black and brown communities? Uh, um, the numbers are down significantly, or, or are we flat? Well, are they up? How, well, how are we looking? Well, actually, we're, we're seeing a trend upward. And what I mean by that, there's been a lot of attention focused on historically black colleges and universities, um, mainly, again, because of the pandemic and the inequities that exist on some of our campuses. When our students had to transition back to their communities, um, uh, we realized that, uh, and, and we knew this, but but a, a lot of our campuses have challenges around Wi-Fi connectivity. Mm -hmm. And some of them actually transitioned to communities where they didn't have access to the Wi-Fi. And that put them at a, at a, at a disadvantage. So, but with the support of organizations like Sally May and actually a large number of our corporate partners doubled down in their support. And the federal government also doubled down in their support in providing uh, resources to support these, these students attending these schools. Uh, we have seen a, a, a resurgence of interest, positive interest uh, in our campuses. And as you know, uh, the current vice president right now is a proud Howard graduate. And so that even put a bigger spotlight on right. the, the, the talent that exists on some of our HBCU campuses. Indeed, indeed. Um, Antoine, can you just, uh, for those who may not know exactly who Sally May is and um, – her role. They might have heard it like, yeah, I've heard of Sally Mae. I've heard of, uh, you know, Freddie Mac, <laughs> and, but I don't know who they are. They real people. It just right. just explain uh, Sally Mae for those who may not be uh, familiar. Right. So Sally Mae, and we, we do get a lot um, where folks get us confused. We're not Fannie Mae or Freddie Mac or any anything like that. But, you know, for years, Sally Mae, has uh, been there for students and families of, of all colors, nationalities, uh, and things like that as a student loan provider. And uh, what we've historically done is help families cover the gap in their um, borrowing uh, or uh, financing for higher education. So for um, years, we have been sort of a leader in helping families uh, not only plan, um, save, and pay for college, uh, but also providing uh, tools and resources that help them borrow responsibly um, and to achieve uh, that uh, that dream of a higher education. So uh, we've, and that's one of the things about uh, this collaboration is, you know, again for years we've been helping students get to school get to a higher education, to realize their dream of going to college uh, or continuous education programs. Um, but we all understand that um, 
getting there is half of the battle. I mean, get, getting there um, in some respects is the easiest part of, of, of it all, uh, but uh, persisting and succeeding through um, is, is something that um, many students and what we heard on this uh, HBCU listening tour was something that many, many students uh, struggle with. And, you know, granted um, programs and organizations like the Thurgood Marshall College Fund provides a, a, a plethora of resources for these students. Um, as Dr. Williams said, uh, often it's the corporate partners like Sally May that come in and, and provide scholarships. And so what we really want to do is we want to increase access um, and completion rates among not just black and brown students, uh, although those numbers uh, for students that access and complete are abysmal, but you know we want to also uh, make um, uh, the dream of a higher education a reality for other marginalized uh, students, uh, whether it be the L students, uh, LGBTQ students, uh, students from rural uh, America, uh, Alaska, Alaskan natives, uh, Pacific Islanders. I mean, we we just that we we cast a wide net, but we really want to make sure that um, we are. Um, affecting uh, in a positive way um, how students are able to access and complete college. And uh, I, Dr. Williams can speak to this better than me, but we all know what happens when students don't um, have a college uh, degree or um, a higher education um, where, you know, they, they're more likely to default on loans, more likely to be saddled with student debt. They're, um, less likely to find uh, um, a high wage job uh, and different things like that. And so not only are we helping them to, um, to achieve their dream of a college degree, um, but we're also helping them to, you know, change the trajectory of their lives. Uh, and and in, and in many senses, um, um, making it better, uh, not just for them, but their families overall. Indeed, indeed. And Dr. Williams, if you could give us a brief history on the Thurgood Marshall uh, College Fund. I mean, I'm familiar with it, but some don't know that you guys have been around for like 30 plus years. Yeah, absolutely. So thank you for that. And yes, uh, we, we've been in this in this business now for 34 years, to be exact. And we're proud to say that we carry the name of the one of the greatest Supreme Court justices to ever live, uh, uh, Justice Thurgood Marshall. Uh, and we are also proud that one of uh, our member schools, Texas Southern, is, is part of our community, and we're yes, proud indeed. of that. And also the Third Good Marshall uh, College of Law there on the campus of Southern, Texas Southern uh, in Houston, Texas. And Third Good Marshall actually uh, was asked by our founder, Dr. George Payne, 34 years ago. She had a meeting with him in his office and asked him if he would lend his name to this organization. And he said, why? And she reminded him, I love telling the story. She reminded him that he graduated from two of our institutions, Lincoln University in Pennsylvania, which is by far one of the oldest HBCUs in the country. Mm -hmm. And they will say that they are the oldest, but there's a debate there between Lincoln and Cheney University, but Lincoln was founded <laughs> in 1857. Uh, but, uh, and he graduated uh, with honors there uh, at Lincoln. And then he went on to Howard University and graduated top of his class at Howard. And she said that you exemplify what we know our HBCU students uh, uh, represent 
and that's quality and excellence. And by having your name attached to this will be a, a, a tribute not only to you, but also to the success of HBCU students. And he didn't hesitate. Uh, he gave her the rights and the privileges to use his name to, to raise scholarships to support uh, black students attending the public and the historically black colleges and university. And we've been doing this now, as I stated, for 34 years, and we've been very blessed and fortunate to have raised close to $400 million by using the name of Thurgood Marshall. So I would say that that's a pretty powerful name there. And this organization uh, prides itself on, on making sure that we're focused on student success and helping them finish uh, college uh, without a lot of debt. That's the goal. So that when mm -hmm. they graduate, they don't have a lot of debt. They can go straight into the workforce. And that by doing that, that's going to not only elevate them, but it's going to elevate the community at large. So we're very proud of the work that's taking place at the Thurgood Marshall College Fund. Indeed. You're listening to the Public Affairs Podcast, talking to Dr. Henry L. Williams, the CEO and president of the Thurgood Marshall College Fund, along with Antoine Oakley, the Director of Corporate Social Responsibility at Sally May, they have teamed up for their Bridging the Dream Scholarship and will be awarding a collective of $3 million to 900 students from underrepresented backgrounds um, over the next three years. Gentlemen, just talk about the power of learning and how that changes lives and how education, you know, is, is really to a better way to a prosperous future. Absolutely. And Antoine, I'll kick it off. Uh, the one thing that, that we pride ourselves in, in this business is that we tell students and we tell families, tell uh, corporate partners that we're in the business of changing lives. And what I mean by that, uh, by providing opportunities for people to persist towards a college degree is going to not only change their lives, but it's going to change their whole entire family lives life mm -hmm. uh, from that perspective. And what we do know, uh, a large percentage of our students are first in their families to go to college. And when you're the yeah. first, you're breaking the ceiling and you're breaking mm -hmm. through. And when you break through, you bring others along. As, as Antoine referenced in the beginning, I'm a former college president of one of our HBCUs. And one of the most exciting times on a college campus is at graduation and, and, and serving a first generation population you recognize the importance of what that means to that whole community and the family when one of one make it, they make it. And at graduation, we would always get into a, a tight fit because we, did, we would run out of tickets for family members and friends to come to graduation. Some families would want to bring 50 people from their whole extended family to, to witness this moment. And to get a sense of that, you know, it, it, that gives you a clear sense of the power of what an education will do for someone and opening up their eyes and opening up their world to all of the many possibilities. So that's why this work is so, so important to our, to our community. Indeed. Well, well said, Dr. Williams. Yes. Um, and, and, and what about the work, you know, the work that you two are, are doing both organizations to improve access to higher education and promote, college uh, completion. Talk about that. Yeah, well, so again, with this, this partnership and uh, our commitment of $3 million over the next three years uh, for helping students to access and complete, um, 
that's the other piece that uh, if you don't mind, I'd like to kind of um, highlight um, is the completion piece. And yeah. one of the things that we learned um, in talking to Dr. Williams and uh, other presidents and um, chancellors of the HBCUs is that, you know, a, a, a fee, a overdue bill of, of as small as, and I don't want to trivialize this, but uh, $2,500 could be the difference between a student actually being able to graduate or not. And mm -hmm. we've heard stories about um, one chancellor spoke to us about uh, a staff member who, um, because of that, could not, that, that nominal fee, could not graduate and have her diploma. And that affected her ability to move up in the organization. And they took steps to kind of remedy that. But you know, not all employers um, are, are doing those types of things. And so one of the things that we heard loud and clear is that, you know, uh, there are opportunities and a real need for supporting uh, students in their final year of study who um, may find out uh, when they go to register for classes that they need one more or two more credits that uh, they've got a fee from a, 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 a lab or uh, an overdue book or maybe even a parking ticket that they forgot about. And so uh, to be able to provide them with one less thing or support uh, to help them graduate and one less thing to worry about in terms of um, a, a, a unforeseen um, financial hardship uh, is something that, you know, we really wanted to come in and, and, and make a, make, have an impact in. And not only that, but also expanding our uh, high school scholarships um, to, 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 um, to provide more scholarships to students around the country uh, to be able to access. And when you talk about numbers, what we saw were, um, I think, 22% of African-Americans uh, keep me honest here, Doc. Twenty-two percent of African Americans uh, 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 don't graduate in, uh, in a four-year degree uh, program. Thirty-three percent of Hispanic students uh, don't graduate uh, in a four-year degree program, as as opposed to I, I believe it was sixty-four percent of um, their white counterparts. And so uh, those numbers are abysmal. Uh, we are glad to partner with. Uh, such a solid and respected organization like the Thurgood Marshall College Fund to be able to provide nearly 900 uh, scholarships over the next three years, uh, totaling $3 million to help really have a, 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 an impact. And as Dr. Williams said, not only um, students achieving a higher education, but changing their lives and uh, in some respects, breaking generational cycles uh, that have plagued uh, uh, black and brown communities and communities of color uh, all over. So Indeed. We're, we're just thrilled to be able to partner with um, Thurgood Marshall College Fund in this endeavor. Well, it's amazing. Where can people go and the students can go to apply for the scholarship? Well, you can so come I, to our website. Go ahead. go ahead, Antoine. You go ahead. Go ahead, Antoine. I know you got this, yeah. but... Well, I was going to say, so uh, there are a couple places they can go. So one is sallymay.com forward slash Sally May Fund Scholarships. And Sally May is S-A-L-L-I-E-M-A-E. -E. Okay. And that's dot com forward slash Sally May Fund Scholarships. 
They can also go to uh, the Thurgood Marshall College Fund uh, website, uh, which is www.tmcf.org. Indeed. And uh, social media, you know, the kids are on social media. You know, they'll probably go there first before the website. <laughs> uh, yeah. Go ahead, Doc. No, I was going to say they need to go soon. I mean, the, the time to yep. to to um, the the application they're open right now. Actually, they're gonna they're gonna shut down pretty soon. So yes. I would this encourage is the, this your is the audience last week. to go. This is the last week. That's yeah, yeah. right. This is, the, this is the last week of uh, the open application period. Uh, it actually ends uh, at 11:59 p.m. on March 8th. Okay, so they yep. ain't got much time. So students, log on. To the website that is uh, Sally May. Well, give it to me one more time, uh, Antoine. Absolutely, SallyMay.com. That's S-A-L-L-I-E-M-A-E.com forward slash Sally May Fund Scholarships. Got it. SallyMay.com. Go, mm-hmm. go ahead. Yep. Or they could go to TMCF.org. Okay. To apply. All right, TMC up next. Hey, fellas, thank y'all for your time. We're going to have to put a pin in it right there. Antoine Oakley, <laughs> the Director of Corporate Social Responsibility for Sally May, and Dr. Harry L. Williams, CEO and President of Third Good Marshall College Fund. Yeah, fellas, I'm out of time. I could talk to y'all the whole hour, but we, we, we have time. So, <laughs> thank you all so much for your time. Okay, have a great day. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you. And we'll be back with more of the podcast right after this. From your local Houston BMW Center studios, welcome back to the Public Affairs Podcast, addressing local issues that affect our nation and shape our world. I'm your host, KG Smooth, joined by Uncle Funky Larry Jones. Happy anniversary, Unc. I know. Happy anniversary. Yeah, this is, uh, it's been a year yeah. since we started this. It was the first Sunday in March last year, 2020. And some enlightening guests, some amazing turn of events. And man, I'm just glad we, we know what we know and we believe what we believe because I think most folk would have fallen apart. But I know for us, our faith has truly carried us through. So it's been a joy. And thank you for receiving the podcast around the globe. We yes, indeed. We, we really appreciate it. And, and speaking of around the globe, mm-hmm. we have uh, someone on the line who is uh, Matthew, I don't know if you are across the pond, but he uh, definitely has an accent. Um, he is the founder and CEO of Ducir Global Business School, mm-hmm. um, also a uh, an, 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 an entrepreneur, an attorney, a philanthropist. Uh, so welcome to the Public Affairs Podcast, Mr. Matthew Jacobson. Thank you for being here. Thank, thank you so much. It's absolutely a pleasure to be here. Um, just tell us a little bit about yourself. Where are you from? Um, how your education? How you how you started uh, Ducir and all of that? Yeah, absolutely. So you're right. The accent does sound like it's a little bit further away. But the business school, Ducir Global Business School, is a California organization, um, and I'm based in California. Okay. Um, but I'm originally from Australia. So I started my journey in education where I grew up in Australia. And really, I guess I had a few issues with the practicality of what I was studying. I did a law degree with my own experience. And, you know, you do a lot of work and it's hard and you're sitting exams and takes years and it costs money to get your degree. 
and you think you're doing all the right things and then what happens is you turn up to an office when you get a job and you realize you actually don't know anything about hmm. the real world and how to actually work in the real world and that was my experience and I thought wow is there something wrong with me um, but as I was talking to friends and colleagues in every field doesn't matter if it's accounting graphic design IT they would be like yeah we went to university and kind of got the textbook and the lectures but we had to teach ourselves everything as soon as we started working in the real world. Mm. And so that was really the impetus for DSER to create a university environment that teaches the real practical hands-on skills that students need to thrive in the workplace. Mm-hmm. Now you put it that way. I think it, 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 now trade schools come to mind. It's like they have hands-on training and doing it along with the education versus, as you just mentioned, Matthew, being in a lecture hall, getting the syllabus, just listening through the lectures, and there's no hands-on real-life experience with that. So that's uh, that's very smart. Yeah, Matthew, your testimony is absolutely amazing. You sound like every other one of us and a lot of us at the same time. (laughs) But what we appreciate is your drive for starting the school. So this online learning is already growing in the past two decades, but the pandemic has forced uh, the entire system to rapidly adjust. Um, how goes it for DSER? Yeah, that's a really, really great point. And obviously, the pandemic has affected everyone in all walks of life in, in many different ways. Um, and so universities have been particularly hit hard with having to rapidly change and adapt to a new world and a digital environment. The challenge, though, is that their systems and delivery mode of education is not set up for distance education and digital education. So you're really trying to fit a square peg in a round hole. Um, And if I give an analogy in the movie industry, you know, when films first started back 100 years ago, what you were essentially doing was not creating anything new and novel. You were just filming essentially a stage play. And then things evolved to really be able to do things in film and motion picture graphics that you could never do in a live theater audience. So universities are kind of at that real early stage where they're trying to just get their traditional campus learning content and throw it online so that it's accessible remotely. But online learning to be effective is a completely different way of teaching where you need to think about everything from the motivation, the style of learning of students, um, having the most advanced technology, And we've only ever done online education together with our university partners in four continents. We deliver fully accredited public university degrees online, and that's all we've ever done. So kind of a long answer to your question, but the the simple answer is, for us, it's business as usual because we were only ever fully online learning anyway. Um, But for universities, it's definitely a very challenging space. Mm. I just love the fact that your mindset, your vision, your intuition, your your vibration led you to that, and you were already ahead of the game. Yeah, well, I think for us, you know, the digital side is really exciting, and learning from world leaders, like our students are learning from presidents and prime ministers and Nobel Prize winners and former heads of the United Nations and the CIA, and that's really, really amazing, the learning and the digital ability of what we can do with technology that you couldn't do in a lecture room. But the real mission and purpose for us is about access to education. And so what online does is fundamentally breaks down barriers for anyone to get an education. Now, 
distance and online is only one barrier. There's multiple barriers, particularly in US higher education. Um, cost, of course, is a huge one. Relevance of education is also a huge barrier. There are multiple barriers and really our whole purpose and mission is that everyone, everyone should have the dream and the opportunity and the possibility of getting a world-class education and not be stopped because they don't have the wealth or they don't have the privilege or they didn't have a certain family background that you know gave them a lot of head starts in life. A lot of people didn't come from that environment, but everyone should be given the opportunity to thrive and have career success. And the way to do that is through quality education. Mm. Um, with internationalization um, being a great outcome, can you just you know talk about you know parents that are or, or students that are um, considering going to a physical uh, campus, and you know how how it's a new world and how everything is is going digital and how they should think twice about it because it kind of helps cut pricing as well, right? Yeah. So there's a, there's a few things to consider. And the great thing about the marketplace for universities is that you have options and diversity. So there's no one-size-fits-all model that should apply to all American learners. If you're 18 and you're super into sports and you want to join a college and be in a college sports team or you want to join a fraternity or you want a lot of social interactions in person, then a college campus environment could be the ideal solution for you. Uh, that's not our target market though. Our target market is people who have very, very focused career outcomes. So they're not thinking about fraternities and sports. They're thinking, I want to work in a bank or I'm already working in a bank and I want to progress and get promoted and earn more money. Or I'm working at a tech company or I want to work in a gaming company or whatever it is. But people who are more career focused. So then an online opportunity has a lot of benefits, but that's where your question of the international side comes in. Because in the US actually, there's this kind of strange system where online degrees actually aren't more affordable from a university than campus degrees. Typically, if you go to any university, the campus cost and the online cost is pretty much the same. And that's caused a lot of frustration now with students who are taking Zoom classes um, but they're paying the same tuition. So American higher education fundamentally is unaffordable. It is just a cost system that is too high and is preventing many people from the dream of college. We can talk for hours about why that's the case because you know universities are spending millions and millions of dollars in upgrading dorm rooms and sports facilities and stadiums and all things that actually have nothing to do with learning. Mm -hmm. um, but all of that adds to the cost and really there's no way out it's kind of like the american higher education system has created this environment of cost escalation and it's very very hard to backtrack whereas we deliver british public university accredited degrees here in the u.s that are also registered and approved as u.s department of education universities so they're very very tied and approved and registered here in the u.s but we're talking about British public university degrees. Now, with a British university degree that we deliver, we're talking about $14,000 in tuition for a full bachelor's degree and a full MBA degree. And let me say mm. that again, full tuition. Because whenever we say that, people are like, oh, right, okay, 
$14,000 a year, that's not bad. And we're like, no. No, and the 14000 for, for the whole four years. <laughs> exactly. It's for the whole degree. Um, but it's also not a four-year um, time span because British degrees are specialized and they're faster. So oh. it means you can get a degree quicker mm. and cheaper. And it's practical because it's all work-based learning and learning from real industry leaders. And again, this is not a question of better or worse. It's a question of what's right for who. Exactly. Because if you want a broad education, so, you know, Larry, you might say, I really love learning and I'm interested in philosophy and I'm interested in history. And that's great. You might want to do a liberal arts education, but let's say that I want to be a graphic designer and I don't really want to study medieval history or take a calculus class. Why should I have to do that um, if I want to be a graphic designer? Well, the US system would still make any student wanting to be a graphic designer take all of those general ed subjects for years, general education subjects that take years. In a British degree, you get a full bachelor's degree in graphic design or in dentistry or whatever mm. field you're interested in. We only do business degrees. That's our area. But students who are studying with us are just doing a degree in business or entrepreneurship or marketing um, or management or whatever their field is, but they're not taking a Viking history class or a sociology class. If they want to do that, they can do that extracurricular and outside of our core program but you don't have to pay the money and you don't have to spend the time to do classes that you're not necessarily feeling are going to help you in your career. Mm. Matthew, I can assist, I can assure you right now, there are folk listening to this podcast who are screaming, we've been saying the same thing for years. Why do I have to take all these crazy classes when I want to do theater arts? What does calculus have to do with theater arts? This is the most refreshing podcast of the new season I have. I love you, Matthew. Thank you. Excuse me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it is great. And, 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 and it sounds like when the way that he just put that, especially how they <clears throat> operate over in Britain, I mean, he just confirmed and affirmed for me that over here, it, you know, the education system, especially higher education, is a big money grab, you know, because all of this money, the, the, the tens of thousands of dollars that we pay for tuition over here, to Matthew's point, a lot of that goes towards the sports and, and the sports facilities and, 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 and all of that. And then that, well, that's it's why just we, about money. That's why we're here, KG. Here's a, here's a couple of eye-opening things you may not have thought of or maybe you suspected. Mm-hmm. But with, with Matthew's school and the thought process and the vision, the vibration is so good about what you're offering young people, older people, folk mm-hmm. who may have a doctorate but want to do something else, a chance to get in and get right to what they would like to do. So we applaud you, sir, honestly. Yeah, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. And what we're honestly trying to do and genuinely trying to do is give those students who want a degree the chance to do it. Because for some of us, we'll just put up with that kind of pain in the neck of doing classes that we don't want to do and maybe Mm -hmm. spending more money than we would have liked. Mm -hmm. But actually... The people who suffer the most are those that can't afford the time and the money. So there's a demographic in the U.S., and this might blow you guys away, but there's a demographic in the U.S. called some degree and no college. It means they started Mm. college because they had that dream, and then they were forced to take French literature classes and all these things that were taking years Mm -hmm. and just thought, this is too much. It's not helping me in my career. I'm failing out. It happened to me. Now, what's astounding... Right. All right. Okay. 
So, well, we should talk about getting you into a degree. But what's amazing is that demographic in the US is 37 million people. And I come from a country where that's more than the population of my country. Mm. So we're trying to really find solutions where we can say short amount of time, short amount of um, focus, small amount of money, you can get in and get a real amazing world-class bachelor's degree. We're talking about a degree from centuries-old universities, University of Wales, University of London, delivered fully online, except for one thing that's not online, the students have the opportunity at the end to go to the UK, go to the campus, put on a cap and gown, cap and gown do networking events and get their graduation certificate. And that's a really amazing cultural experience. But the degree is affordable and it's like very fast to do. And that's what we're trying to really build on here in the US market is giving people the opportunity for an education that feel like I'm just kind of locked out of that scenario. And this is real life impact because when you have a degree, you have higher earning potential. You have more jobs open to you. It's not just about feeling good and having a piece of paper on your wall. It dramatically impacts your earning potential over your lifetime and the sorts of jobs that you have accessible to you. So the more we can help spread that message and of course, anyone that's interested at all, you know, just jump on Desera.education and, you know, we'd love to assist and help anyone that's looking at you know, innovative ways of getting that world-class degree. And what has uh, the reaction been to um, students and just people who have um, signed up and, and, and gone to your school or just, you know, putting down what you're putting out? Like, what has their reaction been? That's a really, really great question. So one of the areas of skepticism in the U.S. is definitely about, you know, what are the um, thoughts going to be around having an international degree, around having a British, it's still a fully accredited, government accredited, U.S. approved through the Department of Education degree. But you're talking about going to a British university um, versus, say, a U.S. college. Mm -hmm. And so some people are a little bit skeptical about, you know, how is that going to be perceived in the marketplace? But once we have an opportunity to speak to them and talk about the students that we have and the alumni we have in the US who include students from LinkedIn, the biggest tech companies in America, from Global Airlines, from Morgan Stanley, from the United Nations. We have um, students from Disney, from 20th Century Studios. So the biggest US corporations, um, and when people see the value and the benefits of the education, and the strength of where the corporations and the alumni that are connected um, to the university, you know, that tends to really alleviate a lot of those concerns around, you know, a British university degree versus going to a U.S. college. Uh, Matthew, it's Larry again. Uh, So what kind of response have you been getting? Um, Any any pushback? Has there been a lot of negativity? Because this this is a very... It, to me, it's an excellent program, but there are going to be folk that are like, oh, I don't know. What's, what's your take on reception? Yeah, and that's a great question. And what we would say is talk to students. So we have students who are first responders in the National Guard, in the Coast Guard, mm-hmm. in the Sheriff's Department, in the Fire Department, in the biggest corporations. We actually have students, ironically, in universities who are staff at universities such as UCLA, and we're talking about management within the university, who are doing our MBA instead of doing the MBA at the university they work for because our MBA is more specialised and more affordable. Mm. So 
you know, talking to actual students, which we could put any potential candidates in front of about their experience. But the other thing that is so important for the students in their experience is that we have an MBA that is 100% business and career focused. Mm -hmm. So you're not doing old case studies from 20 or 30 years ago about some industry sector that's not relevant to you. The entire MBA is tailored and personalized to the individual. So if you work in the airline industry, your MBA and your projects, your research, your analytics is designed around the future of the airline industry. Whereas if I'm doing an MBA and I work in online education, my projects, my research, my analytics is going to be in the rise and innovations within online education. So again, it's about being practical. That's going to help you drive your career forward. Um, not just having that academic piece of paper. Matthew, this has been an enlightening time and we're just about out, but we certainly want to uh, give you props, give you a website, your web information, um, and, and social media, and social media, yeah. and uh, let's get you some more folk to uh, experience your school. Fantastic! Thank you so much. I really appreciate the time and the chat, and it's been really exciting for me too. And hopefully, you know, we can do something really wonderful for a lot of the community in the Houston area and across the U.S. And anyone that's interested, Ducere.education. It's D-U-C-E-R-E dot education. Um, and that's just got a wealth of information. You can see all the company partners and the world leaders involved and um, all about our mission and values. And um, yeah, we'd, we'd love to chat with anyone in your community that wants more information and see if we can help them out in, in some way. Indeed. Matthew Jacobson, the founder of Ducere Global Business School. Thank you so much for coming in and um, educating us here on the Public <laughs> Affairs Podcast. We really appreciate it. I, I just enjoy Thank the you. fact that you, you, you looked at that old mousetrap, you turned it around, you flipped it over, you said, you know what, <laughs> let's do this. And you're doing it. So yeah. thank you for, for being that guy that saw it just a little different. Fantastic. I really appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Yes, sir. All right, my friends and those who enjoy the podcast, we appreciate you and we'll see you next week on the Public Affairs Podcast.